Our subject today, how safe is safe sex? In our society today, young and old are literally bombarded by sexual images. On television, radio, advertising billboards, it seems as if the advertising executives have concluded beyond retraction that the most effective way to advertise any product is to do so in the context of sex. And so if you want to sell a car, have a scantily dressed woman standing next to it. If you want to sell anything, suntan lotion, have a woman in a bikini with it stuck in her bikini. If you want to sell a house, have a half-naked woman stand next to it. Whatever you desire to sell, include sex. If you want your movie to be a blockbuster, let two things be prominent, sex and violence. Am I speaking the truth? Yes, I am. Every music video is useless unless there's some half-dressed woman wriggling and squiggling. And... Am I talking the truth? Yes, I am. And Christians see nothing wrong. I can't tell you how many times my stomach has been upset by hearing a Christian say, Oh, that doesn't bother me. That can't bother me. I'm grown. I'm an adult. Watching an R-rated movie doesn't bother me. It can't affect me. I'm an adult. I know what's right and wrong. And the devil sits back and the devil says, Good. I like people with that kind of attitude. If he keeps it up, he is mine. And if she keeps it up, she is mine. We live, I say, in a world where we are bombarded with sexual images. On my walk down from where I stay, Richmond and Lamar, there's a bus stop. And there's some weight loss program and it has a large picture of a woman in a bikini. There should have been a picture of the Bible. <laughs> because health is a spiritual matter. <laughs> but there's a woman in a bikini. That is your motivation to lose weight. And we live in this world. And my beloved brothers and my beloved sisters, we need to understand that if our guards are not up 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, we will be affected, deformed, misshapen, and corrupted by the environment in which we live if our guard is not up 24 hours a day. Let me show you what our guard is. Come on, somebody say amen for God's word. We used to be called a people of the book. What happened? And our defense is also the precious treasures in the writing of a woman I long to see in heaven. What's her name? Ellen White. I always say I'm glad I didn't meet her while she was alive. She would have had more rebukes for me than she had for all people combined. But I want to see her in heaven. Her writings are part of the safeguard that God has given to us. We must not believe that we can take on the devil one-on-one. -on -one. We must not believe we can take on the devil organization against the devil. We can only take on the devil clad in the armor of Jesus Christ himself. 
How safe is safe sex? I was conducting a crusade or evangelistic effort in the northern city of Uganda in a town called Lira, a few hours from the Sudanese border. And the crusade was held in a, a square, a grassy square, surrounded by little market stalls. And from where I stood to preach, I can see a billboard. On the billboard was an advertisement for condoms. And the images were of young men and young women smiling. In other words, having a good time. And the message was, of course, safe sex. Christians must have another definition of safe sex. The world cannot define safe sex for us. We must define safe sex for the world for the sake and the salvation and the preservation of all the lives that are being lost because people follow the world's view of safe sex. And we have a definition, whether we apply it or not, that saves lives physically and, finish it for me, spiritually. Safe sex as promulgated and promoted by the world, is not concerned with your spirituality. It is concerned perhaps with the Centers for Disease Control endeavoring to lower the statistics of deaths from AIDS and infections or STDs, lower the stats so that some administrator can say, we are winning the war. Let's go to uh, Genesis chapter 2 as we double-check our cell phones. Make sure they're turned off. Accidents happen. God bless you. Genesis chapter 2, reading from verse 23. Well, let's read verse 18 first. As we continue, what's the subject for this morning? How safe is safe sex? In verse 18 of Genesis 2, the Bible says, And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be what? alone i will make him and help meet for him god understands that people do not like to be alone we desire and we crave and we long for companionship in various forms and god is not opposed to it but he has rules that regulate the expression of the need for companionship he has rules and contrary to popular opinion god's rules are designed for our happiness And so the Bible says in verse 21, And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh thereof, and the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Then in verse 24, God says, Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother, And shall cleave unto his wife. And they, two, two of them, shall be what? One flesh. Let me digress. Look at verse 24 again, Genesis 2. Therefore shall who? Not a boy. God had no boys in mind. 
when he invented physical relationships between a man and a woman, he was not thinking of boys. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother. You want to take some woman's daughter out of her house, some family's young lady? Do you have a house of your own? Do you have a job? Are you a man? Are you able to support yourself? Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother. Can you fly on your own wings? And shall cleave unto his wife. One man. What's the other part? One woman. Say amen. No polygamy here. One man. Say it with me. One woman. One man. One woman. Not two men. I don't care what the state of Massachusetts does. One man, one woman. Not two men, not two women. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave to whose wife? His wife. Say it again. Say it again. One more time. His wife. Not mine. Or his, but his wife. And vice versa, when the woman has been wedded, she shall cleave to her husband. Not her neighbors. Am I talking truth? And they shall be one flesh. Now, this oneness operates at every level. First, spiritual. Because the word cleave is the same word used to describe our oneness with Jesus Christ. We must cleave to Him. So there is a spiritual dimension to the cleaving. Their hearts must be one. That's why the Bible says, Be not unequally yoked together with whom? Unbelievers. It is anti-Bible. Because a cleaving has a spiritual foundation. How many times have I run into young ladies from our church who feel that their spiritual gift is to convert unbelieving young men for the sole purpose of making husbands available to themselves? No, God didn't call you to do that. How many times have I had to talk to young ladies who thought that having a Bible study one-on-one -on -one with a young man who clearly admired her would lead to God's glory and it didn't? The spiritual connection is first. Then there is a psychological connection. They're of the same mind. Can two walk together except what? They be agreed. Then there is the physical union. The conjugal level. Which in the sight of God is proper. Marital relations, conjugal relations, physical contact between a man and a woman is introduced in the Bible in the context of the legal union in the eyes of God and the land, of course, 
of a man and a woman. Man and his wife. Any amens? Right. Now, to show you that the cleaving is also physical, let's go all the way to 1 Corinthians 16. Let's read verse 16. 1 Corinthians, not 1 Corinthians 16, sorry, 1 Corinthians 6, verse 16. As we continue, how safe is safe sex? It's uh, 20 minutes to 12. I've been informed we ran 10 minutes late. I can take 10 extra minutes. Do you support me in that? Thank you. Do we have 1 Corinthians 6? Do we have verse 16? What does Paul say? Know ye not that he which is joined to whom? An harlot is what? One body. Now then, Paul quotes an Old Testament verse to prove his point. And what's the verse say? For two, saith he, shall be what? One flesh. Paul is quoting from Genesis 2.24 where God said, Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. Paul is saying at the physical level, when a man goes and searches a whore, when they unite themselves, that is one flesh. Paul understands that the one flesh concept in Genesis 2.24 is not only spiritual, it's not only mental, but it's also physical and proper in Genesis 2.24, not 1 Corinthians 6.16. Let me tell you real quick. Before I preach any sermon, I preach it to myself. Are you following me? What you're hearing for the first time, I'm hearing for the second time. So don't think because I stand here, you sit there. And because I'm elevated and you're not, that there's a difference between us. No, there's no difference. I need Christ more than you do. That's my estimation. When people occupy this sort of work, they are at tremendous risk. Do you hear me? And we need your prayers more than you think. I'm digressing again. One of the reasons I think ministers tumble and fall sometimes is because the church really does not pray for them. And I believe that's just my personal view. You don't pray for man, you have no right to criticize him. Because if you had prayed, it wouldn't have happened. But let me leave that and get back to this cleaving business. Know ye not that he which is joined to an harlot is one body, for two, saith he, shall be one flesh. Paul is saying, when a man and a woman come together, a man and a prostitute, there is a union, yes, but only at the physical level, and that is disgraceful to God. Because he says in verse 15 of the same chapter, Know ye not that your bodies are the members of whom? Christ. Ellen White tells us, when we read the Bible, we should take it as it reads. Take it literally. Of course, she excludes Revelation, Daniel, those symbolic books, very obviously. But unless there's compelling evidence to suggest a symbolic interpretation, take it as it reads. Now, 1 Corinthians 6.15, Know ye not that your bodies are the members of Christ. Paul is speaking to the church. Those who by profession have linked themselves to Jesus Christ. When a man or a woman does that, you and I become the property of Jesus Christ. And he has a bill 
a receipt, I say. Signed with his blood, and the blood is not dry on that piece of paper. It is still wet and warm. So Paul says in the same chapter, 1 Corinthians 6, verse 24, Ye are bought with a price. Now, if we understand that by the virtue of Calvary, we belong to God, this body, Come on in, my good brothers. We're happy to see you. We missed you. If we believe that we really are God's possessions, that this body belongs to God, I have to think twice before I put tattoos all over what belongs to God. Can't even see my skin. <laughs> I have seen people like that. If I believe, now I am staying at the home of a very fine Christian man called Dr. Fred Bischoff. It's not my house. So I observe how things are done in the house and I do them the same way. So if I wash, if I use a plate, before I go back to my room, you know what I do? I wash it. Not only wash it, what else do I do? I dry it. What else do I do? Put it back in the cupboard where it came from. Because it's not my house. So I follow the rules of the owner of the house. He has a library. I wanted to look at a book. I said, can I look at your books? <laughs> yes, he said. Boy. He's out of town. Fine, man. Like him a lot. Now this is not mine. Not if I believe God's word. Ye are bought with a price. I am saying as literally as I possibly can, this is not mine and with great respect, that is not yours. Then why am I boring a hole in my tongue to put a piece of metal? Did I ask God? And did he say yes? Why am I hanging things from my ankles and my ears and my nose and my... And it's not mine. It's like someone loaning me their car and I don't like the fact it's painted green. I painted pinstripe. And the Yona comes to me and says, what are you doing? I said, well, I didn't like the color. You didn't like the color. It's not your car. It's mine. Argument is valid. Listen to me, these bodies are not ours. Now, the bombardment I spoke of earlier from society leads many of us to abuse this body sexually. And what makes it even worse? The Bible says, all sin that a man committeth is without the body. Verse 18 of 1 Corinthians 6. But he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. Now we're told in Patriarchs and Prophets. Who has never heard of Patriarchs and Prophets? Can I see your hands? You've never heard of it? One of your friends ought to get you a copy. I don't work for the Review and Herald, but get that man a copy. Some nice Adventist friend, get him a copy of Patriarchs and Prophets. Page 45, paragraph 2. Man was made to bear God's image both in outward resemblance and in character. 
Let me say that again. Patriarchs and Prophets, page 45, paragraph 2. Man was made to bear God's image both in outward resemblance and in character. Physically, Adam looked like God. Now, why did God make Adam? Look at the reason, Genesis 1, 26. And the Lord said, and God said, let us make man how? After our image. What is the purpose of an image? To look like what? Somebody else. The original. An image has no other purpose than to reflect an original. Are you listening to me? It has no other reason for existence but to bring to the mind of those who look someone else. Now we were made in His image physically and spiritually. Then how shall we behave physically? In the way we use our bodies, are we reflecting God's very image? Can God look down and say, that's not what I had in mind for that young man when I made him to look like me? I made him to look like me that he might be a billboard. That other young men who were misled might see him and for the worst time in their lives see the right way I intend young men to live and young women. Know ye not, verse 15, 1 Corinthians 6, that your bodies are the members of Christ. Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them the members of a harlot? Let us take a look at a young lady in Scripture. As we continue with what is, how safe is safe sex? It's uh, 10 minutes to something. Uh, Luke chapter 1. Verse 26. I, someone offered me a bottle of water. I didn't take it. My good sweet mate, Dr. Farnham, I should have taken it. It's not here. It's my fault. My apologies. And I, uh, can you say amen for Dr. Shives? All right. Handsome doctor. It helps recovery very much. Do you have Luke chapter 1? Do you have verse 26? The Bible says, And in the sixth month the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was David, as the house of, name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was whom? Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee, blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb. Bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name, what? Jesus. Now, here is a virgin. That's how the Bible describes her. Some versions describe her as a young woman. That's not good enough. Come on, talk to me. 
That's not good enough. God is specific. God is microscopically precise. The angel said, Behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, bring forth a son, shall call his name Jesus. He shall be called great. He shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. Now I want you to read verse 33 with me. 34. Then, read with me from the King James if you have it. Then said Mary unto the angel. Say it loudly. How shall this be? Finish it. Seeing I know not a man. Stop. Were you present when I mentioned this thing called cause and effect? Anyone was here? I said that God has put in place a principle called cause and effect. And it is an unbreakable principle. Every cause has a what? An effect. Every action has a consequence. And some physicists said for every action there's a what? Equal and opposite reaction. He just discovered what God had put there for years. Listen to Mary now as she seems to experience a reversal of the great law of cause and effect. Now, in order for a woman to conceive, she had to have had physical contact under normal circumstances. Let's leave aside artificial insemination. She had to have had physical contact with a man. That's the Garden of Eden's arrangement long before the advances of medical science. So let's stick with Eden's version. Now here comes the angel. And he said, And thou, and behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb. Verse 31 of Luke chapter 1. And bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. Now remember, the angel is talking to a virgin. There are some things a virgin must not understand. Must be confused by spiritual or physical virgin, male or female. Virginity means there are some things that will confuse me. So Mary, hearing that she, a self-respecting young lady, a child of God, good Seventh-day Adventist, When she heard she'd have a child, she'd come up pregnant, having never had contact with a man, Mary said to the angel, wait a minute. And the angel is hovering in midair like a huge white hummingbird. And Mary looks up, and Mary says, how can this be? How can I be pregnant, that's the effect, when I have had no business with the cause? which is a man. Mary says to the angel who already knows that's not the way it works, it must be cause and effect. And because I have no physical dealings with men, it is impossible for me to get pregnant. Mary was shocked. God needs more Christians who are easily shocked. The world has hardened us. 
Nothing phases us. I'm cool. You can't phase me. You know what Ellen White said about Jesus? His soul did what? Recoiled from sin. You know what recoil is? Huh? His soul recoiled from sin. And by His grace, our souls can recoil from sin. Who will say amen with me? So Mary said at 4 minutes to 12, how can this be? Seeing I know not a man. There is no biological possibility of this happening. Angel, you better bring me an explanation from heaven. Because as things are on this earth, if you're looking for me to have a child out of wedlock, you're looking at the wrong girl. And this little five-year-old girl looking up at the angel talking big. <laughs> and the angel, I can imagine, smiles. See, preachers are allowed to create these, these pictures. You don't do it. I can do it. And the angel, I can, the angel smiles down at this beautiful little girl whom God handpicked. Let me ask you a question. If God were sending Jesus today, could he pick you as the mother? Don't answer me. Now, I'm coming to the men. Don't sit there in your designer suits from Kmart thinking you're safe. I am coming to the men. Let me repeat the question. If God were sending Jesus today, could he find a suitable young lady in Loma Linda? Or would he have to send the angel to a, I don't know, the moon? You laugh and laughter is perfect in church, no problem, I laugh too. But I'm not joking. Could he find some such young lady if he were sending his son today. Or would he find a young lady who says, Oh, you really? I'll have a child? By whom? <laughs> By which one of them? By which one of my boyfriends? That would be the only mystery she might have. By which of my boyfriends? Just point him out, angel. So I can arrange child support. Let's leave Mary alone, basking in the glow of moral purity. The angel hovering with his admiration. Let's go to Matthew chapter 1. How safe is safe sex? Matthew 1, reading from verse 18. You know, Matthew was a publican. What's another word for publican? Give me another word. A thief. No, that's what Matthew was. But I'm simply saying that to show you the glory of the transforming power of Jesus Christ. Somebody say amen. I don't care who you are, what you are, what you have done. Jesus can transform your life. And give you a place between the pages of Holy Writ. That man was a thief. 
But I thank God for the gospel of Matthew. What do you say? Matthew 1, reading from verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together. Let me repeat that expression. Before they came together. Notice they were espoused. Did you see that word espoused? That's engagement, which was more serious then than it is now. Because to break an engagement then was almost like a divorce. It's not this kind of Britney Spears thing five minutes later. Mm. She was espoused. Case was closed. No other men in her mind, no other women in his mind. Closest thing to absolute marriage. But before they came together, it hadn't happened. There's a popular view among modern inhabitants of the earth. If it's with just one person and you're faithful, marriage is not that important. Homosexuality is okay if you have one faithful. If you are a monogamous practitioner of homosexual behavior, it's okay. Just be monogamous. And we have all kinds of gymnastic reasoning to get around God's standard of moral purity. That's what the Bible says. Before they came together, even though they were engaged, before they came together, they had not had physical contact. She was found with child of whom? The Holy Ghost. You see, when you or I determine to do right, only heaven. You see, Mary is saying, look, the only way, angel, I can have a child is if heaven puts it in me. She was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being what kind of man? Now we're talking about the men. Joseph was what kind of man? A just man. All just men, raise your right hand. God bless you, I have one and a half just men. Any other just men? No. God bless you. You think I'm joking, I'm not. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, his whole thought. Now, if men listen to me, ladies, read your Bible. Men listen to me. You know, men will talk if there are no women around. Men, the women are not listening to us. Let's talk. Nothing hurts us more. Nothing hurts us more than to see our woman bad word, wife, carrying some other man's child. You talk about tear a man to pieces. Nothing gives a man greater pride than to say, looking at his pregnant wife, I did that. <laughs> his chest swells, that's me, that's my work. And when it's the work of another man, it, men kill for that. Are you listening to me, men? Men kill for that. Men go insane over that. The average man who hears his girlfriend is seeing another man, his first question is, not if you love him, because he really doesn't care if you love him. Have you slept with him? A man can't take that. Let me talk about the character of Joseph, this young man. 
The Bible says, then Joseph, her husband, verse 19, Matthew chapter 1, being a just man, even though Joseph must have been broken up, his first thought is of whom? Mary. Young men with girlfriends, is the welfare and the moral purity of that girl your first thought? Or do you have a scorecard that you compare with your other buddies? Is the welfare of that young woman your first thought and mine? The Bible says being a just man and not willing to make her a public example was minded to put her away how? Privily or privately. Joseph was concerned about this young woman who was just about his wife. She had an erred in his mind, made a mistake, slept with another man, yet he was such a righteous man. He does not want her to suffer what she deserved, which actually was death by stoning. Now that's a young man to entrust your daughter to. Come on, ladies, say amen. His first concern is the honesty, the purity of that young lady. And he will give his life to protect it. He's not the one who ruins it. You're quiet. Mm -hmm. Verse 20. But while he thought on these things, Behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived is her is what? Of the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost. Yes. And she shall bring forth a son. Thou, she, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. Why? For he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the, of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be a child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Now verse 24. And Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and take unto him, took unto him his wife. The verse ends, the chapter ends, verse 25, with these words. At, read it with me. First few words of verse 25. And knew her not. Till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Joseph by now was her husband in all ways. I am told by the medical experts, at a certain point in the pregnancy, physical relations is still possible. Hmm? Joseph must have known that. Men learn these things. The Bible says he knew her not. his wife and he touched her not because he understood the calling she had from heaven God wanted no confusion as to who the father of Jesus was I read of an interesting story that occurred in England a woman had physical relations with two men minutes between the two and came up with twins one from each man I read that anyone read that no I read it so can you understand why God had to be careful? Don't touch this woman at all. Joseph could have said, what do you mean? This is my wife. So that men who are married, even your wife has to be respected. Because she's not a machine. Knew her not. The expression knew her not suggests he preserved her status. He preserved it. 
It was as valuable to him as it was to God. He preserved her status. As a pregnant virgin, only God could arrange something like that. How safe is safe sex? Eight minutes after 12. The heart and soul of the safe sex message is use a condom. I hope I can use the word condom at Loma Linda. There's a hospital right here. I had to get permission in Uganda to use the word sex. <clears throat> and I could respect that. When I was in Australia a year ago, two years ago, I used the word. I said, we've got to have guts. They said, Pastor, you can't say guts. <laughs> you've got to say courage or gumption. So you never know what you can't say where you go. The heart and soul of safe sex messages, you protect yourself against disease. Are you listening to me? And presumably a condom can do that, although I heard a doctor say that there are some microscopic organisms that can travel through certain condoms. And so safe sex says, men, women, do whatever you want. All we suggest to you is that you wear something that protects you from disease. And that is classified as safe sex. And people go around having seminars on how to practice safe sex. My question to them, what kind of safe sex protects you from the judgment of God? Which condom keeps you from the fires of hell? The only safe sex the Bible talks about is sex that God approves and blesses and arranges. And that is that which occurs between Adam and Eve. Safe sex is not safe unless it is approved by God. God has such a low view of sexual immorality. He uses it to describe that whore in Revelation 17 and 18. He uses fornication as a symbol of involvement in false religions and error mixed with a little truth. He uses fornication. Involvement in that he calls fornication. And he's coming to unleash a devastating judgment on the whore in Revelation 17, 18. Revelation 21, verse 8, the Bible says, of verse 7 and 8, He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. Verse 8 says, But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and, and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers, whoremongers meaning the sexually immoral, shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone. This is the second death. Revelation 22, verses 14, 15. Blessed are they that do His commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life, and may enter in through the gates into the city. Verse 15. For without are dogs and whoremongers. We belong to God. Do you agree? The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, Verse 19, you'll notice Paul, there's a word that, that begins verse 19. What's that word? What? Paul almost sounds shocked. What? How does verse 16 begin? What? What? Know ye not that he which is joined to the harlot is one body? Verse 19, what? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price, verse 20, therefore glorify God in your body. And in your spirit, 
Finish the verse. Which are God's. I have never met any young man, young woman who prayed before engaging in that activity. Because we know deep in our hearts we're off when we do that. We're wrong. We're wrong. My beloved brothers and sisters, we're all of the same flesh and blood, but we have all available to us the same divine power. Men, Jesus walked this earth 33 and a half years, public ministry three and a half. The Bible says in Luke 8 verses 2 and 3, certain women followed him, which were healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary Magdalene, out of whom he cast seven devils, and Joanna, the wife of Herod, Stuart, and Susanna, and many others which ministered to him out of this substance. Jesus was followed by women who gave him money. They loved him so much, first person at the grave was a woman. And the love there is pure love. Jesus inspired pure love. I am saying that Jesus was surrounded by women and Jesus kept himself pure as the driven snow. That's an example for me and for my brothers listening to me. Whatever it was that kept Jesus can keep us. I am told by ladies that it is not so much how handsome a man is, but is he sensitive? Does he listen? Is he patient? Can he understand me? Is he thoughtful? Can he remember my birthday? Jesus was all of that, including strong, healthy, compassionate, tender. Just what a woman wants. And able to provide. And he kept himself straight as an arrow shot from the bow of God himself. Men, can we not commit ourselves to reflecting, emulating, copying the, the life of Jesus Christ? Let me give you the results of a scientific survey I did, which means it was unscientific. Just my observations. Most women who find themselves sexually engaged are pressured by men. They're pressured by men. A man's argument is, if you love me, Women who seem to understand love more than we do, eager to prove they love, they seem constitutionally more willing to believe what you say. Then you've got to prove it again. And since you didn't prove it quite well, go find someone else to prove hers. Men, God made us first. It wasn't a haphazard choice. There was a reason. The fact we were made first means we carry some sort of leadership responsibility. You know, in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22, 23, 
Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even of Christ is the head of the church. And he is what? The Savior of what? The body. The man is the Savior of the body. And I'm finishing. When Eve sinned and she came to Adam, Adam should have said to her, Eve, this is wrong. And I love you with all my heart and more. But I love God more. I'll go with you. We'll go to God. We'll confess. The God who was willing to forgive Satan and restore him to his position surely will forgive you. Are you listening to me? The Savior of the body. What did he do? Men, we have a solemn, serious responsibility, like Joseph, to preserve what God has placed in our sisters. Every man, every woman, every man who will say, Father, by your grace, give me the spiritual courage to respect my sisters. Raise your hand. I'm not joking. Raise your hand. Hands down. Every woman who will say, Father, like Mary, give me the strength to preserve what you have given me regardless of the surrounding pressures. Raise your hand. The world needs an example I'm finishing, of several things. The world needs an example of people who live together in unity regardless of so-called race. The world has no example of that. The world should find it in the Seventh-day Adventist Church. The world needs an example of schools where people respect one another and students do well even though they spend so much time in a farm somewhere and they, they, they learn and they... they Integrate learning with spirituality. The world needs an example. The world should find it among us. The world needs an example of families that are strong, like bulwarks against the influences of society. The world can't find it. The world should find it among us. The world needs to see an example of a whole group of people who seem almost constitutionally resistant to disease. The world should find it among us. The world needs an example of young men and young women who interact with a high degree for moral purity and the expectations of God. The world should find it among us. I want God to bless me and you. I want God to look down upon us and be proud of us. I want God to say of us, as he said of Abraham, I know him, that he will command his household after him. I know him. I want the devil to say to his angels, these Adventists are too tough. Let's go bother somebody else. I want the devil to say to his angels, you're wasting time trying to tempt that Adventist young lady. Her heart is full of the Bible and messages to young people.
My beloved brothers and sisters, the hour is late and I have to stop and I want to stop. But I want to ask you a question, ask for your response. Have you understood what I said? Yes or no? Yes. Was it biblical? Yes or no? Has your heart been touched? Yes or no? Will you try by God's grace to do His will? I believe you. I believe you. This afternoon, we have prayer for the sick. We want to leave whatever we need to leave here today. The spiritual rubbish we need to leave that may have contributed to our physical ailments so that when we cross the burden at five, we are in a position for God to bless us mentally physically and spiritually i want god to put into your hearts and twice as much in mine an admiration for moral uprightness hmm? i want us all to come to the place where we admire jesus not denzel washington god bless him jesus died for him I want us to come to the place where we admire Mary and then, and then Hannah and Rebecca and Sarah, not Jennifer Aniston or Beyonce. I want us to come to the place where we admire what life will be like in heaven so much that we reproduce it here now even before we get to heaven and so in the name of jesus christ all those who will say father this is my individual decision regardless of friends and family father i pledge today by your grace to respect my body in every way i want you to stand up One more call. Not a call, it's a word of assurance. Whatever your life has been or mine, whatever our lives have been, listen to what God will do. God will forgive us so completely that He will look upon us as though we never sinned. I told you virgins are men and women. If we're not virgins physically, God can make us virgins spiritually by forgiveness. Because He removes the offense and He gives us what kind of slate? Clean slate. So after a prayer of confession, Lord forgive me, God should look down and see a room full of what? Morally pure people don't you want that i want it you know guilt is a heavy burden going to the gym doesn't give you any power to carry it guilt is a heavy burden and so i'll ask every head to be bowed every eye closed reverently parents hold your children father a man made of dirt had to preach this sort of message today. Which makes it even hard on him. People made of dirt had to hear it.
but that's the way you would have it done. We leave aside all condemnation and judgment and we come for cleansing. Father, you have promised solemnly in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, if we confess our sins, you did not specify any sin, which means any and every sin. If we confess, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Father, wherein we have offended you in the context of this message, I speak for all those standing and those physically unable to stand but who have stood in their hearts. My voice represents them, dear God, wherever we have offended in the light of this rebuking message, we say from our hearts, we are sorry. Forgive us, dear God. We thought we were following this pattern of the world. We thought we were cute. We thought we were hip. We thought we were whatever we thought. We realize in the searing light of your word that we were simply wrong. And we understand now that the only safe sex there is, is that which you approve. Lord, we disappoint you so often. How can you possibly still be merciful? But you are. And so we ask you in the name of Jesus, be merciful one more time now and cover us in the blood of Jesus Christ that cleanses us from all sin. We repeat, we apologize for our moral lapses. And we pray that God you would put into our hearts, please, a hatred, an aversion, a tendency to recoil from that which is offensive to you. If by our behavior and conduct we have caused psychological damage to ourselves, Father, do the healing at that level as well. And let us leave this place today determined by the power that kept Jesus Christ. Determined by the power that kept his mother Mary. Determined by the power that kept his stepfather Joseph. That we will be upright in your eyes. Respect this body that belongs to you by the price of the blood of Jesus Christ. And that we will do nothing to cause our brother or sister to go down the slope of moral degradation. Father, the coming of your Son is near. We must be ready. And you're looking for people without spot, without blemish, who can stand before you without fault, and in whose mouth and behavior there is no guile. Hear us, dear God. We plead, we appeal, we beg. Hear us, cleanse us, and restore us to your favor. We offer this prayer in Jesus' name, and for his sake, let all forgiven people say with me, Amen.